What were we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think we were talking about my fantasy team and yeah. how I got absolutely obliterated by David because he has Spencer Strider and I have freaking Hunter Green and Hunter Green has been crapping the bed all uh, month. And I am like this over. close to dropping him. You didn't go with Quadzillas? Dude, well, I had like the 12th pick overall on my freaking fantasy league. They they totally did that on purpose, but I'm having to really lean into uh, Shane Bieber right now. <laughs> it sounds like you were going with like that that West Coast bias right there. Like you were just going to pick by like uniform colors. No, I picked Craig Kimbrell. That's that's how old school there you I go. am. I dropped him in the first week. <laughs> Let's get rocking right, with this, man. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm here with Mac Pashorik. I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly, Mac. Did I did I get that right? You're close enough. We're we're all Polish, so we all pronounce it incorrectly anyway. So oh you're my gosh, man! If my grandpa was still around, you guys would be having some great Polak <laughs> conversations, man. I, I love it. Oh yeah. So, anyways, guys, I've talked to a lot of college coaches about um, the legacy and the the legend of Mac. Um, he's actually all caps in my phone as mac so uh this guy is uh an absolute legend man my first time meeting this guy he um he i'm not gonna name names but he uh there was like this special case of a guy who had just decommitted from a from a uh, division one college he was um he was a really good athlete but just um new coaching staff just kind of uh brought in their all new guys and it was a senior year of high school and uh he was just uh kind of left hanging out to dry and um Dave, uh, Dave Coggin kind of brought in Mac and, um, Mac was able to, um, find a, find the right school that fit well for this athlete. And, um, athlete ended up at a, at a really high division one college and played four years there. And, um, he's still doing great in this game. So that's kind of my initial intro with, with Mac. And, um, uh, he also was, um, running a B1 athlete or B1 baseball. I believe he was, uh, doing great things over there. Um, He's been a coach at Claremont McKenna for a few years. Um, doesn't do that anymore, um, but now he fully runs. Um, I believe it's Positive Impact Athletics or Athletes. Could you uh, kind of help me out there with that one? Matt? Yeah, so, so yeah, I'm running. It's Positive Impact Players, and it's just training academies, uh, a high school training academy here in, in Nashville, Tennessee in the month of June, and then our SoCal Collegiate training group that gets together at the end of summer, July and into August there in Southern California with, uh, with the PFA group. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, I know my brother played last summer with you guys and, um, that's, uh, one of the main reasons why he was able to connect with UCR and, uh, why he's, why he's kicking some butt this season, man. So personally, um, I definitely, I'm, I'm always thanking you, but, uh, <laughs> officially thank you very much for uh, helping out my brother. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's your brother's a great story. I mean, like so many, like the one you were alluding to earlier from years back, where the, with a changing landscape with coaching changes and program changes, and now with what we'll probably get into the portal changes and everything that's happened over the last three to four years, um, you know, there still has to be some some ability to adjust within the moment and within the year. And, and there are players like that that are hidden gems that are just up there in the high desert and they're just not getting seen enough or maybe they wanted to focus on development 
and instead of just showcasing. And so that means they're going to be a late bloomer or it's going to be a, a great pickup for someone um, late into the summer. And it's going to be a win win. And, and it's just a good reminder that that we don't have to panic. Um, we can just still stay relatively uh, patient and just look for the right fit when the timing is is also right. Exactly, man. You you said it perfect. Um, that's kind of that's kind of my thought behind this whole um, whole process. And one of the main reasons why I brought you on is um, is kind of that that big problem that athletes all have, and and that's always the question that they they don't know where to look for. And it's um, how how difficult is this whole recruiting process to do on your own? Like, uh, is is it a uh, is it something that's manageable? Yeah, it, it's not easy, um, and and it's just a matter of it. it it, it, there's a machine going right the re recruiting machine and and we can talk we can go into so many different areas of um showcasing and and um tournaments and events um training private instruction we can look at all these different layers that are connected to the recruiting process and and it is challenging sometimes it's just logistics it's just the the player is in school most of the day when the coach is in the office, which means they just can't always connect. Sometimes it's just that simple. It's it's the kid's a good a good uh, student, and he's busy from eight to three, and that's the exact time that a coach might be in his office, maybe eight to noon or eight to one, and then he's out on a field from one to five, mm -hmm. and then he's got a family at home. So sometimes it's really just a matter of logistics and trying to match times up. And, you know, I, I've been able to help many families over the last 20 plus years. Sometimes it's just being, um, just having the ability to, to share a story or share a, um, a player's story, um, you know, and, and then you find that school that's looking for the match. It's not about forcing anything in any direction. It's, it's finding the match and being patient and diligent and thorough enough to, to find the right fit for both the the family, the player, and the uh, and the and the college program. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Uh, it's crazy to think that um, that it's not just trying to force something. A lot of a lot of my athletes try and uh, try and think that like we all have the golden thumb and we can just get them in anywhere. It's like no, there there has to be a perfect match. Uh, yeah. Did you notice that when you were at McKenna at all? Like, what what were the biggest factors that you saw? from a college coach's perspective to like finding that match with athletes. So the interesting thing at Claremont McKenna, I mean, it's such an academic first school. It's, it's, it's such on the high end of the academic, um, you know, hierarchy of colleges that that's always first and foremost. So you kind of knock out a lot of candidates simply because of academics and, and desire. And then coach Walkenbach there is, I mean, he is absolutely one of the best out there in the country at, at, selling the school and the story and the match. And he's, he's very good. He came from a background, an Ivy league background at Cornell. Um, he had a lot of success as a division one athlete, and he's kind of been through this whole process himself. And he can kind of, he can connect those dots for the families. And, and I think sometimes that's what it's about um, trying to find that, that person who can, um, you know, even share and speak to his own program very well. So coach Walkenbach just does an absolutely tremendous job with going to get the guys. What I've noticed is, um, 
you know, how you have to have pockets, you know, you have to maybe look into certain areas of the country that match up well academically and then have some talent. Maybe maybe there's some areas around the country, right, that want to they want to get out of their region. It's cold or maybe it's in a setting that they don't necessarily love or they just want to get away from home for four years and experience some different. Claremont McKenna being in a suburb, um, nice area outside of L.A. where you still have access to Orange County and the beaches, you still have, get to a Dodger game. There's a lot of things you can do. And I think he's really good at selling that, as are other coaches, Scott Laverty over at Chapman. There's some really great, uh, the guys up at Westmont up in Santa Barbara. Um, there's just some great um, stories that they all shell, share. And, and the reason I share even those three is none of those are Division One schools. Yep, so yep. so even to the the root of all of this is sometimes are we getting to a point where it's where where it's D1 or bust or are we willing to kind of look at overall what's going to be the best fit for for myself as an athlete or my son or my my player if I'm the coach whatever it may be um and that was a great example for your brother is just he's really a tremendous student had a live arm and so ultimately UCR, they, they needed that that late get of a pitcher. And that was a really good matchup. But if he hadn't done his work on the front end, on the academic side and just on the training side, that would have never happened. So the credit, really, the bulk of that credit goes to, to David. I mean, that, that's just the reality of, of the situation. This is a hard game and the players deserve the bulk of the credit. Other people like us are, are trying to help. But it's still a hard game, and we want to make sure the credit goes where it where it belongs, which is to the player. Yeah, hundred percent. And and David was a super unique situation because I mean, you said late, but he was late, late. Like, uh, do you do you remember the exact date he actually committed? It was. I think he had he had he had a class the next morning. <laughs> yeah, it was no. basically like yeah. Was, I mean, he, he I, I sold out like all out. Like he put all of his chips in uh, into that uh, commitment and. Yeah, yeah, that just spoke to that speaks to his character, but it also speaks to his uh, his patience and his uh, and his uh, commitment to kind of your advice and 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 Dave's advice and just the collective whole of the team that he had in his corner. And um, yeah, it's it's I think that's a super important piece. Like uh, it's not just a, a one person thing; it's a full team effort. Um, what yeah. um, kind of to your point of it being D one or bust. Um, What's kind of the talent difference that you've noticed, uh, at least what what coaches look for between like a division one and a division three? Is it purely yeah. academic or, or are there other factors as well? What, what I've and, and I don't I mean, I, I have friends at all the different realms and, and I think everyone I don't look at any of this as it, it's a it's a bad decision or a good decision. Ultimately, time will tell. Time will always tell us whether we made the right decision or not. We try to put ourselves in the best position to enjoy the ride and enjoy the experience and not not have to jump into the portal and all that stuff. And so I like that the, the every level has its its own unique values um, for, for each particular kid. The D1, of course, you're aiming for the top. You're trying to you, you want to show what you can do against the absolute top level. There is baseball money to be had at, you know, there's they actually have scholarship money and it's not even that much. So it's it's not more than you could get academically at most schools. So um, the D3 world can't offer uh, baseball scholarships or athletic scholarships. So there is still merit money. There's academic money included. There's um, character grants. There's still other ways that the schools have funds. And if a family really dives deep into that, 
a lot of times they can uh, they can get a great education at a fraction of the sticker price. They just have to dive, do a little bit of a deeper dive. And, and the beginning of that deep dive is a willingness to jump in the water, right? So if they're not willing to even look at a D3 or an NAIA or a D2, then it probably won't happen for them. And I would encourage everyone to keep all your options open. You just don't know. You don't know what what what's in store for you a year from now, whether it be injury or just the fact that maybe your priorities change. Maybe you just want to enjoy the ride and you want to really engage as a student as much as an athlete. Um, and so, so the D3 world I've seen is, is a great environment to enjoy it all. Now it's not the elite, it's not the SEC or the PAC 12, um, but you're going to get some awesome competition. Chapman had a pitcher drafted, I believe um, in the top three rounds in the COVID year, that COVID short mm -hmm. draft year. And um, so there is definitely, you're going to face some, some legitimate talent you're seeing now division three guys with these bonus COVID years jumping over to D ones and having a lot of success uh, pitcher from Whitman went over to uh, Utah, I believe, and had a lot of success in his graduate school or bonus years that he got. So there's talent everywhere. And sometimes it's just a matter of, do you want to, do you want to play right away? Maybe, maybe that's your decision. You know, you want to get in the lineup and be a game changer right away, or maybe you, um, are willing to wait two years to get your opportunity at, at that higher level. Again, it's all, it's all individual. So it, it depends on what you're looking for as, as, as a person. Yeah. And that, and that speaks to my other brother, Danny, um, David and Danny being twins. Uh, Danny's over at APU, a division two school. That's, that's higher, um, higher level than I got to play at um, collegially. And, um, and he's, he went there fully knowing that there was a chance that there might be a red shirt in, in order or knowing that he might not get a ton of playing time just because they have a, a lot of grown adults in that whole COVID, uh, COVID mess of everything. But, um, but yeah, he, he knew exactly what he was getting into and he, he knew he wanted to be at a great school and get some opportunities and, and, uh, and get some, uh, not necessarily prioritizing the play time now, but prioritizing it later down the road where he's going to be in a program that he wants to be at, um, after maybe redshirting or just getting minimal innings his freshman year. So yeah, that's a great example of, um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and APU is a great program. They've been, they've been traditionally a powerhouse in the division two level. New, new coach there uh, with, with Paul leaving and heading over to the East coast, but they've just done a great job there. And Daniel's uh, you know, he's the best version of Daniel's going to be in a couple years. He's going to get more physical. He's going to like, that's the beauty of it is you can decide what's because sometimes being in that setting where they do a good job in the weight room um, is the most important thing for you. Maybe for some guys, it is learning under a senior catcher captain who you can kind of learn the ropes from. And, and it's hard because we always have to remember the, the senior leaving high school is going from being the stud on his program to the likelihood is he's, He's middle of the pack physically. He doesn't know the program's culture yet, so he's behind there. Um, and so it is a little bit of a learning curve um, for them. And, and, and sometimes that your ego has to get put in check a little bit. And everyone needs to understand that. You're not going to go from being, it took you four years to be your high school senior stud. Why do you assume it's going to take you one month to become your collegiate stud version, right? So I think those are the, it's just reality. And sometimes we forget about reality. We just have utopia and, and we forget about the life we're living. <laughs> oh, 100%.
Yeah, I was uh, I was completely desensitized when I went from uh, from high school to college, and then I had to. I finally hit my stride like a month before the draft, my senior year, and um, as soon as I got drafted, it was like a whole nother realm uh, reset, and I had to start that whole process over again. It's 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 crazy. Every level you go up in baseball, it just uh, it just gets a little bit faster, and you have to kind of adapt and and overcome each time. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What um. What are you like um, as like a college coach when you were when you're an infield coach over at uh, Claremont McKenna? What were you looking for specifically in, in some of those athletes you went out and uh, kind of recruited uh, personally? Yeah. And, and I would say I, I use, like I said, Bill did such a good job there that what, what we did or what I tried to do was just tip him off on guys that I thought would be a good fit. Um, he, he really um, knew what he was doing and he knew what he was looking for. So it was really just identifying some guys. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it depends on the program. If, 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 you know, you're looking for like a physical body, the game has changed. Um, there are so many, there are, there's not so many, there are places that do a really good job with training and development like PFA. There are, there, there, there are some that offer it, but it's just not really utilized at its fullest. And I think that's why I really do appreciate PFA and what you guys do is, is they have the programming set for longevity. They have the programming set for arm health. They have the programming set for power. Like it, it's all there at the end of the day though. Um, the players need to do it with consistency. And, and what we're seeing now at the college level, you got to be physical. Like you, you can't be the, the splendid splinter anymore. You, you have to be, you have to have a physical body um, because of the grind and you see in these other guys in there and now metrics are playing in. So they want to see exit velocity. You got to get, you know, the ground force concepts in play rotational strength. It's not as much about just being that really gritty gamer who can get three hits a game. Now they want those hits to be at 95 plus exit below. So, so the game, they're, they're, they're challenging the athletes to become more physical and, and to become better at their craft. Now, because of that, sometimes we lose the IQ players. We lose the players that just know how to get on base and they know how. And, and I think at the college level, that's where we still have a little bit of a balance. Um, you do have some players and programs out there that just want winners. They just want gamers. But I will tell you, most in the fall are looking for radar gun times and stop stopwatch times and and metrics and then you get closer to the season and into your own season you're looking for toughness and character and leadership so it's it's a it's a changing look and i think in reality as an athlete you just have to get better and that's where the training and development comes in. You can't worry about um, like you, I was looking for an infielder that had an arm that could carry across the diamond. You know, if, if I was watching a guy throw and it had any loop to it or hump to it, that's just that arm's just not going to play with with better runners. And the higher the level you go up, the faster the base runner, um, which means you can't have the bobble anymore if you're a left side infielder. You have to be clean. You have to be smooth. Your arm needs to carry across across a diamond on a line. And and so if you're just the guy that in high school has, you know, gets guys out, but it's not clean. I, I you know, to me, all that matters is is the cleanliness of the, the fundamentals and the form, because you're not going to get a plus runner out at the division one level. You know, two of these guys are flying up the line and I bobble a ball. He's safe. So I can't I, you can't play that position. 
And so again, guys are coming back from events saying, well, I don't know why they don't want me. I went, I went six for 10, but a coach is looking at that saying, you know, maybe all I remember seeing is a, a seeing eye ground ball that got through the five, six hole, a blooper or two over the second baseman's head. They don't see six for 10 because that doesn't translate to them. They don't get the 600. They get the metric. They get the power off the bat. They get the swing. And so players need to understand that's what they're looking for. They have to look at you and visualize you in their uniform. That's it. It, the, the the three hits, the RBIs, whatever it is, the strikeouts, they don't automatically translate over, right? They get velocity, they get spin rate, they get movement, they get the intangibles within, not the end stat. And so a lot of times families and kids get caught up on stat lines. And that's just not, it's nice because it shows that you do know how to succeed and win. But at the end of the day, if you're not throwing hard enough, or if you can't damage a baseball with a bat, um, it's going to be harder for a coach to want to grab you. It's, it's such a different world now, too. Like you were talking about the metrics and the the spin rate and the um, exit velocity. Like those those things were non-existent when I was in in this whole recruiting process. I think uh, like I have some value to share with people, but not nearly as much as as what today's day and age. I, I literally had to send an email with my picture. And uh, my stat line <laughs> to like the masses and and still got some hits because I was a big physical kid for a high schooler. But but it was still like that was it. That's all they had to go on. And then it was just like it was almost like I used to use the stats to get the people out there to see what I was able to do. But it's it's completely different now with social media and everything. Uh, when you were when you were a college um, a college coach, did you use a lot of social media uh, stuff like? Twitter or anything like that to, to find guys, or was it mostly just word of mouth and, and just boots on the ground? Yeah. I, like I said before, I'm a Polak. So, so anything, you know, that, that requires turning something on or off or, or making sure the lens cap is off is, is <laughs> tough for me. Um, I'm still a believer in communication and just, face-to-face or just phone communication and just old school. I mean, as much as the cool recruiting videos are that have the uh, sound effects and they're to music and then people slow-mo them down, the families have to realize like we all have the function on our own phone or computer to slow it down if we want to slow it down. We can go (laughs) slow-mo. You don't need to do it for us. Like the reality is those are just gimmicks. Um, and, and you're hiring someone to do that. I, I've had as much success with just a side video in a batting cage of three swings. Because again, we can see the swing fundamentals. We can see the mechanics. We can see what kind of you know bat speed is being generated. Um, you know, you start adding, there are colleges asking for blast metrics or track man or Repsoto data. And so, so obviously, you know, not to say they all really know the true value of that as it fits for their program, but that's just what everyone's the talking points now. Um, but there's a lot you can get. There are some coaches out there that just want to see the swing. You know, Bill Walkenbach, again, I use him as an example. Does a great job with hitters. And he, hey, I want to see the swing. I want to see it from the side. I might want to see it from the back, but I'm going to be able to know if that guy's got a good look, if that's something I can work with. And then, and then he does a really good job within the program of enhancing that. Um, and I think that's the part that, um, 
people need to realize like, and that's a lot of times what I do. It's, it's a lot of time. It's real time. I'm giving, I'm just sending a video of a picture of David O'Neill striking a guy out in a CIF game um, and a full sequence of him. Just, it showed him like, you know, mixing a ball. That's, that's reality. Like you don't have to make it seem like your kid only throws strikes by editing out every ball he throws. Like, it's okay. I want to see a guy miss up an arm side and then make an adjustment quickly or maybe use that to set up a secondary pitch. Um, I don't need to see single edited clips that just show your absolute best pitch. You might as well just send me the same pitch over and over again. Um, I want to see what you look like as a competitor. And a lot of coaches want that too. Um, and, and that's the best way they can, they can get that. So um, like I said, I think some of the stuff with social media, it's, it's a, an illusion. It, it's uh, making your, it, it's not always real. Um, I try to be as real as possible. I've tried to be as honest with possible with coaches. Um, my goal always is to make sure that that coach answers my call or responds to my text the next time I reach out. And the only way that's going to happen over 20 plus years is you're trying really hard to be honest and forthright with people. Um, you're still going to have some projections on kids. You're going to really want to help people maybe with the character side of a kid, the things they can't see on a transcript or on a video. Um, and, and, but at the end of the day, like I said, that's why you don't force it. You, you tell the truth, you, you let people make their own opinion um, or form their own opinion. And you just kind of help share that story. And I always tell that's kind of what it is. It's storytelling. You're helping share a story for someone that, that really can't. And sometimes they can't because of timing. And sometimes they can't because they don't know how to reach anyone. Um, and um, I feel like I've, I've been able to help people that way. 100%, man. You've built a, a huge network over the past, uh, you said, 20 years. It's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty impressive, the the amount of people who have the capital letters MAC <laughs> in their phone. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. Not to, not to hype you up or anything, but... Um, what um what does that whole process look like like the recruiting side of things like um you do you do college recruiting uh aid for people what's what's kind of that title first of all and then um what um what does a day in the life of that role look like for you yeah because that that whole term itself is like a slippery slope because it just seems like you know no different than with a guy in pro ball like you got agents and advisors and you got people that like do you really need them and sometimes like so i even don't even i call it guidance and advocacy like to me you're you're helping you're just helping share information you've gathered over over 20 plus years you're you're sharing stories to help alert people to the the good the bad and the ugly of this process it's it's not a perfect system um things are constantly changing the landscape has changed over the last 20 years and especially over the last three, um, you're just trying to help people navigate that uh, that that minefield really and and try to hopefully lead them in a direction that's going to be good for 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 them. Um, I've always said, I mean, the college decision to me is is the second most important decision of your life. Um, and and I think that's the one you just want to hopefully help people make a good decision so they don't have to choose again um, or go through the portal or or bounce back to junior college, uh, which is that in itself is sometimes a good starting point for some some um, some players and some families. But I think that's the big piece is you just um, you guide them. And then when it's right, when you find the right guy, OK, so and so needs a catcher. 
I really like this guy. He's a guy I've seen and I've worked with and I've gotten good uh, you know, uh, information from yourself or Dave Coggin. Um, then you just, you, 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 you make, you're like a matchmaker. That's all you are. You're e-harmony for athletes. You're really just, that's all you're doing. You're saying, Hey, you need a catcher. Go check out this guy. You know, heck of a kid works his tail off. You know, he's all the things you are saying you need. Hmm. No, you need strike throwers. Okay. Well then quit going after the 91 guys that can't throw strikes and go take the 89 guy that can pound the zone with three pitches. Like sometimes it's just helping everybody. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of coaches too that they, everyone's working hard, but I don't think anyone's going to be out there saying it's it, this perfect science. They all have made mistakes. They've all missed, right? Many schools missed on Josh Stamon, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why he didn't go D1. And maybe he just wasn't there at the time and, and, and he's in the big leagues, you know, and, and you've got plenty of stories of guys and it's not because, The coaches don't know what they're doing. It's just because this isn't a perfect process and everyone's dealing with the new changes that are constantly happening. In fact, the one that just came up, which is this early recruitment period. And and uh, you can't go entice a eight year old to commit to your school. Like, I think that's fantastic. Like they actually get to go out on the playground and and pick daisies and, and go down the slide. Like they don't have to worry about calling a coach back to get their commitment in. So talk to me about that new uh, changing landscape of the NCAA recruiting rules. Like what, it, what's that all about? Well, I mean, the, really the biggest thing and everyone's as kind of onto this now, of course, I mean, the portal when with, with COVID and the portal, like when COVID happened and the portal, you know, blew up with names and you had so many opportunities to, to go to different places and you had larger rosters, you had the bonus years so all of that that all of that created this domino effect on the high school classes. And so, you know, for many, you know, I, I always say, like at the end of the day, I'm always trying to help kids and, and pre- predominantly that that 15 to 20 year old age group where you can still help guide them in a direction and really help them. Um, but but the high school kid that's frustrated and 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 doesn't know why he's not getting looked at and he's he's talented, um, just understanding that there's this huge number of players that are you know they at one point were Division one players or were recruited to be Division one players that need a home and so they're out there and they were given these extra years. It then pushes a lot of guys to redshirt. And now if you have a lot of red shirts, now you have a, a lower demand at the high school level. You've got a ton of guys at the junior college level. So it ultimately created this huge supply and, and a smaller demand. And so that's where, in, in my opinion, you, you focus on getting better. Be, be the best version of yourself rather than worrying why they're not coming after you. Um, so that that's the one is this whole portal explosion that uh, I know when we meet with the groups there in person in July, we'll dive into a little deeper. Um, but the latest one was just the early recruitment rules. Um, and, and really, I think everyone, even the coaches, I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there that thought it was um, so great that a seventh grader was going to commit to a college. Like that kid should be focusing on, I mean, he should just be a kid like, you know, and, and the, and, and anything could change. There's six years or five plus years before he ever would sign his NLI, which is a national letter of intent, November of his senior year. So, so really like we have so many years left and if anything goes wrong, if the kid becomes a troublemaker or he doesn't get it done in the classroom, 
um, that NLI doesn't get sent or it may not get signed. Um, you know, the, it can go both ways. The, the the kid and the family might change their mind and 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 the and the school might realize like, ah, he just hasn't done, he hasn't worked hard enough to deserve this anymore. And and so the reality is it was just too early anyways. Um, these kids haven't even, I mean, some of them are just going through puberty and they're just passing, like you don't even know one kid might grow a foot. In, in a couple of years and another guy may stop growing. So they're looking at all these things. And I think the biggest thing for me is let, let the process play out. Um, let the kids develop a little bit. Um, it puts more of an emphasis on training and development hmm. because now you, you don't really need to go to every event under the sun. Maybe you, you devote some periods of time for training and you get in there with yourself, uh, you know, on the pitching side and just just working on something. You get in there with with the PFA strength coaches and you just train. You just say, you know, what, I'm going to spend a month to get bigger, stronger, faster and 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 work on more uh, you know, efficient arm path. Like if, if that's what I was going to do in a month, you just made yourself better by going to four straight back to back to back to back summer events. And it's 100 plus degrees there's more likelihood you're going to end the month a lesser version of yourself than the alternative, which is just just training and working. So uh, and I'm not saying that's always going to be the case because you do at some points want to get out there. There's a timeline that matters. Um, but right now, this basically has said, hey, when you go to those events, go because you love to play and you want to have fun, not because you're trying to get someone to see you and offer you a scholarship. Um, and then you can still put the focus on the training and development as well. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's super, um, super good stuff, Mac. Um, so kind of more, more logistical question for you. Um, I have three freshmen and two sophomores that are D one commits. Um, with this new rule, are they grandfathered in, or does that mean that everything, the slate is wiped clean or how does that all work? Yeah. I mean, there's not supposed to be any, um, communication going on. So no one really is supposed to know. I mean, you can, you can track in other ways. I mean, you can, uh, be somewhere and see someone you just, you just can't really have any communication. You're not supposed to have any communication. Um, you're going to see some team camps going on where that school will have, um, you know, some travel ball groups will go to a specific college campus and it'll be run as a camp. And in that setting, the, the coaches are going to be allowed to instruct because that would be the nature of a camp. And, but, but the events, I mean, and there were still rules at events of talking to people. You really, um, you have to be careful even when you're at these, the middle of an event, but you were able to have the kid call you or you could use a middleman and then that person could send a note to say, Hey, call so-and-so at, you know, seven o'clock tonight. And, and they do that. And then they have the conversation and, and then a, a commitment happens. So, yeah, I mean, the grandfathered in thing, first of all, no, it's every commitment made until it, no matter what, until you sign the NLI, it's a verbal, it's a, it's a concept. It's, it's not firm until you sign that NLI. So really no, even before it was never, um, a hundred percent locked in hmm. until you sign that NLI. So not, that doesn't really change. Now, the hard part now is you really can't have as much communication or if any at all. Um, and so then, 
you know, you're, you're a little bit unsure, but I think that's where the player has to, the assumption is that's going to stick. Um, if the kid's a freshman, the other thing is you don't know for sure if that coach will be there, right? You always right. don't know that if, if someone else comes calling and they can get, you know, uh, another opportunity and they're gone. Now the new coaching staff is not required to take a verbal commitment <clears throat> that, that in no way does it say that. And that's why it is the national letter of intent, November of your senior year is the moment where it becomes a contract. And then at that point after, you know, there's little, you know, there's ways people have found around that on both sides or guys may get somewhere and it's just a bad fit. And then, and then that, that they mutually part ways or there's, there's things that have happened in the past. Um, but so nothing was ever locked in, but the assumption would be that school is still going to honor that um, without being able to really communicate that well with them. And now the kid gets to August of his junior year. Now they can go back to, they can, they can make sure the communicate, the lines of communication are good. That, that still gives them, like 16 months or 15 months before the NLI is ever signed. That's a lot of time to still talk and gotcha. to still make so sure. It's, it's August yeah. of junior year uh, is when coaches are allowed to uh, communicate with the athletes. Yeah. They, that's when things get back to kind of the way, the normal way. Gotcha. Um, and so you'll see some, um, you know, you'll see a, a lot of camps, a lot of the, like I said, you'll see the team camps, you'll see, um, I mean, guys will likely, you know, be committed later. So that might mean that the schools that used to are like right now, there are schools that 2024s are, are 23, 23s are done. 24s are long done. They're almost done with their 25 and they're getting into their 26s, right? There are schools like that, that are just way out in front, whether good or bad or right or wrong is, is, you know, to be seen in the future. Hmm. But the reality is that's where they do. I think now that'll change a little bit. There's going to be a, a, a longer timeline for the 25 class or even the 24 class. I, you know, there are great, there's some really great programs out there that, that wait, they've, they've notoriously wanted to be late because they wanted to see a player develop. They wanted to, they didn't want to jump the gun. They wanted to maybe catch the kid that was the late bloomer. And that's a good sign for all you players out there that are a little worried, but you've been working hard and you've been doing well. Um, there are schools out there that that do a really good job of checking in late. Um, you know, and then you have things that happen with the draft where someone realizes the draft just took all their prospects and now they need to grab the best arm out there. Um, so there always was that going on. I think you're just going to see a little bit more of, of the programs that say uh, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to wait then, you know, I, I think this is good for, for really everyone. I, I, I mean, I guess I can't say everyone because there's some um, events out there that might, their numbers might drop a little bit um, <laughs> where, where the kids just feel like, all right, I guess I don't need to go to eight straight events. We can dive deeper into all those other things there in July with, with the local, you know, getting everyone together there. Um, and the only last thing I'll add on that last note is, I mean, I've worked with, and, and I really do enjoy working with this age group that is like the 14 to 16 year old age group, right? But I also remember myself as a 15 year old and 
I was, we were all knuckleheads. We all had knucklehead behavior. Um, 15 year olds have so many of such a variety of, of thoughts going through their heads and emotions going through their heads and, and just whatever it is, you're going into high school and whatever things are happening. I just don't think that that's the group we want to make this second most important decision of their life. I don't think that's the time. Um, they've proven, at least to me, to not make awesome decisions. Sometimes they can't even decide what they want to eat for dinner. Um, like, and sometimes they forget to make their beds or they leave the toilet seat up. Like, like this is an age group where it's just like, you wanna be aware of that decision you're making. And they're just usually not quite there. There's this illusion and this uh, dream, but that can happen a year later. Um, and, and I think that's the part I like about this is it forces, it allows kids to mature naturally and grow up and just still allows them to be kids, uh, which, which I just think would be an absolute shame if they just aren't allowed and given the opportunity to be knuckleheads. Like you should be allowed to be a knucklehead. So anyways, um, so I run, I basically, I help a handful of families Throughout the year, really, it's just got, you know, it's this guidance and advocacy trying to help people navigate. It's there's been families from overseas that don't have access over here, um, you know, living abroad, expat families. And so just trying to help people connect some dots, um, you know, wide variety of schools and, and wide variety of like individuals trying to just pair them up in a way that's a win-win for both them and the, the college program, help out however I can. What I really love doing is the development side of things. And so I run the one month program in, in here, it's gonna be here in uh, South Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee, um, bringing in some of the top experts from around the, the country. Dave Coggin will be in for, for week one. Um, uh, Nick Wagner, who does a lot with Dave Coggin and me, and he's a pitching and catching coach at Claremont McKenna. We'll be in for week two to do pitching and catching. We have um, uh, the you know a, a good friend out here, Hunter Bledsoe, does a lot with hitters and just some really awesome power concepts that he has created for hitters. And so he's going to be mixing in. So really, I feel like I've gotten to know some really great people. Whether it's guys like yourself and Dave that are just so top notch on the on not only pitching in general, but the, the trifecta of, of helping with velocity, accuracy, and arm health, uh, which that last one, too many people forget about. Um, like that's such a critical piece of this. So connecting the dots there, the health in general, um, having good friends over at the USC DPT clinic and being able to, to talk to those guys, um, doctors at the Mayo Clinic, like just individuals that are so good in their field. I feel really lucky to have gotten to know them. And then I feel like I've done a good job of bringing collaborations and, and working people together. Um, and so I don't, I, I, you know, really you leave your ego at the door, you, you're coming in and you're bringing in these good people that are really good at what they do to help this kid, this individual become the best version of himself. And that's really what we're trying to do. We try to incorporate character building. We get out there, go fishing. We get out there and do some other things. Um, we try to help them understand that you got to work your butt off. You got to care, um, but you also have to enjoy the ride. And, and so I feel like we do a really good job with that. We make it a great experience. And we come back and we do it with the PFA group there and just have this great six-week training, getting these college guys ready for fall which is, you know, and especially these younger guys, this is their first impression they're going to make on their teammates and their coaches. 
And we just want to really help them be, uh, be ready. Again, best version of yourself, going healthy. Those are the types of things help guys with so that's really where i spend the bulk of my time and then and then during the year i'm kind of just you know meeting with people working on things um trying to become better trying to learn um and then also get a chance to to you know watch my own kids play you know play baseball that's and, kind and of important chance to just enjoy being a parent um and and watching from the crowd yeah i'm excited yeah, to have I, you uh, have you uh come out and uh share some of this i know i'm going to be pushing all my my juniors and seniors your way to to come and i'm even uh trying to get a couple of my underclassmen who are just kind of trying to get ahead of the curve uh to come out on um i believe we said it's 7 24 um so july 24th at 7 p.m that's going to be at uh pfa in, in montclair uh we're gonna have you come out and uh you're gonna give a full-on presentation you're gonna give time for q and a's um i'm assuming um yeah. So there'll be, there'll yeah, be Q and A's and yeah. yeah, it'll just be the opportunity for you to kind of take some of the information that you're, you're sharing here and kind of uh, plug it into the individual, get, get a little more of that, that personal touch that uh, we know you're um, you're really famous for and uh, the ability to connect the individual to the the right program and, and just kind of being able to know what questions to ask and um, what responses to give and everything. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, is there anything else you wanted to kind of uh, finish up with before we uh, before we take off? No, I mean, really, I mean, I'll, I mean, I early, you know, Happy Mother's Day to my wife Carrie and and to everyone out there, all our friends out there in Rancho that that hopefully some of them get to get to watch this. Um, but uh, really, just just for the families to understand, like like this is um, to be a collegiate student athlete is a is a cool thing. It's a rare thing. Um, enjoy that ride, like enjoy the fact that your kid is a good athlete and don't get overly consumed with it having, don't put the cart before the horse. It doesn't have to be, we don't need to worry about the Dodgers just yet or, or the Stanford's just yet or the USC. Like we can enjoy this ride, become the best athlete you can become, make sure that you're a good kid. Like those are the things that the intangibles that, that we forget about and and I really would just want to keep reminding the families to um, like be it's OK to be patient and it, you're, you're not missing anything. The the Internet and social media wants to make it look like everything is is happening in front of you and you're missing the, the boat. But the reality is um, you're you're fine. You know, you're, you're going to be fine. You just have to um, make sure that you're focusing on that developmental side as the top priority. 100% man. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate your knowledge and your insight and sorry we had like 15 takes, but yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate your patience man and uh and uh thanks for thanks for stopping in man. I can't wait to uh get on again and maybe dive into some more of these uh topics. Awesome. We'll awesome, do it. Brother. Sweet. Thanks, well, uh, hey, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time, and uh, I can't wait to see you in person. And uh, I'm hoping to actually make that uh, 724 personally. So, um, looking forward to it, man. Awesome. Thanks, Bobby. Sweet. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Take care. Bye.